Larry Bird's not walking through that door. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. It's my team. It's my quarterback. Okay. It is... God! 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 To be the man! You gotta beat the man! The 2-1. Swan Lane drive left hand! Water on his end! This is the Powers on Sports Podcast. Welcome back to the Powers on Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Jason, down here in Tampa. I appreciate you finding us on your various podcast platforms. If you want to ever send us a note, love to hear your comments. Twitter at Sports. Love to hear from you. Remember, tell your friends about the podcast. We'd love to get some more listenership. Even if you only listen to a portion of it, we'd love as many listens as we can get. So if, you get, if you're a football fan, we talk football. We're going to talk Major League Baseball here in this episode. The pennant races are heating up as we get to the last two and a half weeks of the regular season. We're going to talk fantasy a little bit. I'm going to give you a couple gambling tips as we lead in uh, to the episode as well. So we cover it all here on the Powers on Sports podcast. Whatever's happening that, in the world of sports that week, we are going to talk about uh, as far as the headlines go. And boy, what a wild week we had in both college football and the NFL. We are going to get into the college football scene with Coach Jim Levitt in our Coach and the Kicker segment that simulcasts both on the Florida Football Insiders podcast as well here on the Powers on Sports podcast. So we're going to talk to Coach Levitt about all the upsets last week, App State, Marshall, Georgia Southern. He has some connections with some of those coaches. We're going to talk about Scott Frost firing from Nebraska. How do you handle uh, an interim coaching situation, and what do you do as a coach? We're going to talk uh, officiating. There was some there was some dubious officiating in the Alabama Texas game. Backup quarterback. So we're going to hit a lots of things with Coach Levitt. So stay tuned. In just a couple of minutes, you're going to hear uh, Coach and the kicker with Coach, former head coach USF Jim Levitt. We're also going to talk to Steve Carney later in the podcast concerning. MLB, the pennant races, the Braves and the Mets, got the AL Central, the White Sox, and Cleveland and Minnesota, the wild card situations. Who doesn't want to be in a wild card? What matchups are bad? We're going to talk some new initiatives that MLB is instituting, a a pitch clock to increase the tempo of the game. So we're going to talk about those things as well. We're also going to hit on week one of the National Football League with Steve. Wild, wild week one, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, the debacle on Monday night, which I'm going to talk about here in a second, but crazy, crazy uh, stuff going on, especially in that 1 o'clock window on Sunday. is one of the highest-rated 1 o'clock windows in like the last 25 years. Incredible how much action there was in all the different games. Wild finishes, Atlanta, New Orleans, Carolina, Cleveland. You had Indy and Houston, the tie that ended up, and by the way, how do you punt from the 50-yard line, Lovey Smith? Fourth and three from the 50 with 25 seconds left in the overtime, and you punt? Are you freaking kidding me, bro? Come on, man. Come on, man. You're an NFL head coach. I know your team's not very good in theory, but you ha- you're fourth and three. You get a first down, you're going to get a field goal attempt to win the game. You have to go for it there, Lovey Smith. Every coach has to go for it fourth and three. And speaking of going for it, Nathaniel Hackett, 
Welcome to the National Football League, my man. We're not playing peewee football here. You do never are you going to kick a 64-yard field goal after you've let 40 seconds run off the play clock when you have all your timeouts, when it's fourth and five. If it's 64 yards on the last play of the game, no problem you kicking it. But when you have Russell Wilson, your your percentages of converting is probably somewhere in the 40 to 45% range, Mr. Analytics. Your conversion percentage on a 64-yard field goal is less than 15%, no doubt about it. The guy had never made a kick over 61 yards in his career. And when kickers tell you they can kick at 64 yards, take at least two yards off of that. They're always going to tell you a number. And, again, everybody's talking, well, the kick got there. If the kick would have got there, it might have hit the crossbar, okay? First of all, and number two, Brandon McManus, when you're a right-footed kicker, you, you, you should never miss a kick anywhere near the left post. Aim inside the right upright, and let. if you're going to hook the ball a little bit, which he did, the ball still got a chance to make it. But when you aim down the middle or, in, or towards the left upright and you hook the ball, it's going to be no good. But, again, bad shame on you, Nathaniel Hackett, for letting 40 seconds run off the clock and then decide to kick a 64-yard field goal on fourth and five, and you deserve to lose the game. And remember this game. This game will come back to haunt Denver one way or another, either getting into the playoffs or potentially hosting a playoff game at some point. But again, Nathaniel Hackett, welcome to the National Football League, bro. Do you have any, You got to have some sense, bro. Have some sense, somebody on that coaching staff, to call a timeout at 40 seconds and make a decision. Even if you have to think about what you want to do, call a timeout. You have all your timeouts. All right, kicking issues around the NFL, college. Lots of kicking issues. Rodrigo Blankenship. Uh, vomits all over himself, kicks the ball out of bounds twice in the Indianapolis game, misses a 42-yard field goal in overtime. He's no longer an Indianapolis Colt. He has been released. No more no more hot rod in Indianapolis with the goggles. Uh, again, you have to make the kicks you got to make. The 42-yarders, you got to make 9 out of 10. And I know that might be the only one he misses, but you can't miss it the way he missed it. Bad miss. Kicking the ball out of bounds twice. That's a game you have to win if you're the Indianapolis Colts. Even though you really didn't have much business winning the game, you let the you let Houston get out to a 20 to three lead, and you make a furious comeback. But once you get to overtime and you got a 42 yarder, you have to make the kick. And coaches in the NFL, please stop settling for long, huge distance kicks—47 yards, 50 yard kicks. Try to get another first down. The percentages go way up when you're under 40 yards as opposed to when you get 45 yards plus. Trust me when I tell you the percentages go way up by trying to get another first down. Does that mean you have to be reckless in your play calling? No, but hand the ball off a couple times, throw it a safe high percentage pass, and try to get six or seven more yards instead of making your guy have to kick a 53-yard field goal or a 55-yard field goal, okay? And work on protection, Cincinnati Bengals, protection issues. Make an extra point and you, and you steal a game you had no business winning from the Steelers. Okay, Boswell misses a kick in overtime. He missed another kick. McPherson misses a short bunny kick in right at the end in overtime as well. 29-30 yarder. And I don't want to hear that the laces were facing him. When you're a professional kicker, you have to be able to make a 29-yard field goal even if you have to kick the laces. Sorry, but that's part of the job. I don't want to hear, well, the laces weren't turned out 
They get paid a lot of money to make 29-yard field goals as long as the ball is standing upright. Make the kick, McPherson. You go crazy when you made all the kicks in the playoffs. Make the kick, okay? Fantasy-wise, went 1-1 one and one last week. One good team, not so good team. So, interesting, uh, not a lot of, you know, Jarvis Landry, kind of a guy out of nowhere, good fantasy uh, game. Jalen Hurts, you know, you have some fantasy questions. You got Elijah Mitchell, the RB in San Francisco's out. What do the 49ers do at running back? You've got some other things. You didn't get a lot of carries out of Javante Williams in Denver. Uh, you didn't get a lot of uh, touches out of a couple other running back situations that we weren't sure which way was going to go. So pay attention to your fantasy team. Don't be afraid to make a trade. Make a trade. Make a trade. Don't be afraid. Make a trade. Wheel and deal. That's what makes fantasy fun is making trades. But, yeah, week one in fantasy, I split my roster, my survivor pools. I'm in a couple different survivor pools. I lost about half my picks. The big pool that I'm in, over 60% of the people are out of the pool after one week with Indianapolis tying, with uh, you know, with Denver losing, with San Francisco losing. So there was a lot of uh, carnage in the survivor pool market this week. But I still got some picks left, um, you know. So be wary. It's always tricky picking road favorites. Last week there was a ton of road favorites, and it's also tricky to pick a road division favorite. Those are always tricky ones to do too, so be careful moving forward. Road favorites are hard sometimes. They seem like they're easy, but road favorites are hard, and also road divisional favorites are hard to do too, so I would stay away from those kind of games. There's plenty of good games to pick this week in a survivor pool. Lots of big spreads, lots of teams coming off losses that you would expect to come back and win. So this week should not be much of an issue. Gambling-wise, I'm going to give you a couple games that I like. Just looking at it on a Wednesday night, these are leans, not absolute definites, but some games I like just looking at the board. In the NFL, I like Pittsburgh plus 2.5 at home against the Patriots. How the Patriots are 2.5-point favorites over Pittsburgh, I have no idea. Especially in Pittsburgh. Um you know, I know Pittsburgh had a couple injuries last week, but still the P- Patriots were putrid last week in, in Miami. And for them to be favorites, that, that's that's a little surprising to me. College level, Miami plus 5.5 at Texas A&M. I like Oregon minus 3.5, a, a, a bounce-back game against BYU. I think BYU is a little bit overrated. And I think a lot of people are going to be on the BYU bandwagon. I don't. I didn't love what I saw at a BYU against against Baylor. I think you'll see a much better effort out of Oregon at home in Autzen. BYU on the road, so I'd kind of like Oregon minus the 3.5. Purdue plus 1.5 at Syracuse. I think Purdue's a pretty good team. I know Syracuse beat Louisville a couple of weeks ago, but I like Purdue to bounce back plus 1.5. And, uh, and again, there's a couple NFL games. You know, there's, there's several big spreads this week. But again, Pittsburgh in the NFL I do like early on plus 2.5 at home against the Patriots. All right, enjoy the podcast. Coach Jim Levitt's up first. Then we're going to go to Steve Carney. So enjoy the podcast and have a great week. Are you in the market for a new home as we enter the fall? First-time home buyer, you want to upsize or downsize your current living situation? Reach out to Titan Home Lending for all of your home lending needs. If you need an FHA, VA, conventional, jumbo, or even a bank statement loan, Titan is the place to help you. We will work with whatever financial situation you are dealing with. Again, from Key West to Pensacola to Orlando to everywhere in between, 
Titan Home Lending is your home lending source in the state of Florida. Reach out to Jason Powers, 205-790-1404. All right, welcome back, Florida Football Insiders. It's week three of the Coach and the Kicker. And we got our coach, Coach Jim Levitt, back with us, former USF head coach. Got his hat on backwards today, looking like a practice day. Defense ready to go to work. Linebacker coach, ready to go hit somebody today. Welcome back, coach. <laughs> it's good to be back, Jason. <laughs> well, well, a weekend we didn't think was going to be a very entertaining weekend in the college football world turned into a, be a pretty uh, pretty exciting weekend. We had ups, huge upsets. We had a coach get fired and all that. We're gonna, let's start in Nebraska, Lincoln, Nebraska. Scott Frost gets relieved of his duties on Sunday afternoon. Uh, they lose a, they lose another tough game Saturday to Georgia Southern the team they're supposed to beat. So Scott Frost let go in Lincoln by Trev Alberts, the AD. You know, interesting thing here is Nebraska could have waited a couple more weeks, and if they wait a couple more weeks, they would have saved about seven and a half million dollars on the buyout. But they didn't. They they pulled the trigger on Sunday. Um, Coach, your thoughts just. Just the thoughts of when a coach gets fired, forget about who it is. Just when a coach gets fired in season like this, especially this early in the season, just how does that, how does that resonate through the football program? Well, it's, you know, it's tough. It's hard. You know, I, I, I've been an assistant when that's happened and, um, you know, I mean, there's a lot of different things, a lot of different dynamics. Sometimes if things are going really bad, you have an interim head coach come in there and, the guys start rallying behind that. And, uh, you know, it's, they just want to get away from the drama. They end up doing better, you know, and uh, that happens a number of times, you know, uh, Scott's very good coach, obviously did a great job at central Florida. And um, he just, for whatever reason, you know, struggled in Nebraska with the expectation. Doesn't surprise me that they let them go because Georgia Southern coming in there and beating them. You know, they, I think they played North Dakota. It was tight in a controversial game, you know, over in Ireland. And, and then, you know, he's been there. I, I don't know if this is his fourth year. And, but I, you know, I, I believe they probably negotiated that out. I don't know if they paid the whole seven million. And, you know, Scott cares a lot about Nebraska. He played there and, sure. you know, it really connected. So I don't know. I right. certainly have, have, you know, but I'm, I'm assuming I would think that he probably talked to, uh, Trev Alberts and they just you know worked out something and and probably just for the program's sake. How does how does I know you've been in that role as an interim coach before? How does that conversation happen when the AD or whoever comes to you and say, "Hey, coach, we want you to take over"? How do you present that to the football pro- team? How is that first? You know, how do you how do you how do you present that to the football team moving forward? Well, you just be honest with them. <clears throat> you know, you just. You know, you don't, you don't hide behind anything. You know, I, you know, it's, um, you just honest with the players and you, you, you state the facts and where we're at at that point, you know, that it's not about you as a coach or the staff, it's about us as a, as a you know, a quote family, uh, you know, and, and try to bring everybody together and, you know, everybody wants to win. So that's still a common goal. Sure. And how do you do that? You know, and and uh, you know, go about you know the ways that you 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 think it you know what it takes to win ball games, and uh, you know, how I much, how much do you try to change whether it's the routine, the the schedule? Do you 
as a coach, if you maybe you think, hey, I, I wish we were doing things a little different. Do you make those changes immediately or do you kind of stay status quo on how things have been going? How, how, do, how do you handle that as being when you're in that role? Well, you know, I, I haven't been in the role that Nebraska's in right now. If I was if I was taking over that program right now, I there's enough time there. I'd, I'd put in right. the way program, you know, and if it wasn't the way it was it was set up before, I would change things. Okay. I would have I would abruptly change things uh, and um, do it to what what I'm comfortable doing. And, you know, with the way I like to go through practice schedule and uh, with the meeting schedules and. Uh, everything I, I I would do all of it and I'd make sure that I felt good about the staff and who's on that staff that that they're on board also right and if you need to make some moves there do it you know because it's all about the players and the team and the program it's not about one individual and uh you know but no I would I would I would uh I would do what I felt like I needed to do to put ourselves in the best position to win ball games because because the interesting thing here at Nebraska is you're only 0-1 in the Big Ten. It's not like you're 0-3 and it's over. You're still got a shot to win that side of the Big Ten, theoretically. I mean, you still have a chance to do some damage in the Big Ten to get to, you know, you, you're not going to be playing for the national title probably, but you still have a chance to win that side of the division in the Big Ten. Well, sure. Well, the main thing I'd focus in on is <laughs> just play better football. Right. You know, and, uh, you know, focus on the that next game you're playing and that's it. I wouldn't even go past that and, but I, I know I know one thing. There'd be there probably would be a lot of changes if I was there, you right. know, and um just just because I'd want to do things that I'm comfortable with. Sure. You know? Sure. All right, let's get to the, speaking of the upsets. What a weekend for the Sun Belt Conference and Conference USA. You got Georgia Southern going to Nebraska, you got App State going to Texas AM and winning and dominating and not not just winning that game. They dominated that game. I watched a good bit of that game. They they played really well. And then you got Marshall going to the Holy Grail of South Bend and winning up in Notre Dame. All places I know you know and places you probably have coached in. Talk about the the giant killers over the weekend. What a what a moment it is for those programs. Well, what's interesting is everybody talks about this NIL. Everybody talks about paying these guys all this money. I don't know how much money Marshall paid their guys. I don't know how much <laughs> money App State paid. Their Right. I don't know how much money Georgia Southern paid them. I right. mean, to me, you know, it's uh, you know, it's still about bringing your team together and uh, having a good plan and making sure the guys play with confidence and realizing there's a lot of parity out there, you know. And um, you know, it's it's it's. Uh, I, I watched the Marshall game quite a bit because uh, Lance Gidry was was uh, my secondary coach at Florida Atlantic, and I thought he's. I, I think he's a great coach. And he's a really good coordinator. I uh, did a great job. I texted him afterwards, and um, I just I watched that game, and I thought they just they were they were better. They they just outplayed them. Yeah. You watched App State. I saw some of the highlights of it, and they dominated. Same. They had the ball. They held the ball for forty minutes against A and M. Yeah. Yeah. And and these are in hard places. Going into A and M, going to Notre Dame, yep. Georgia Southern, going to Nebraska. Bennett, Nebraska. That's not easy to play there, and um, or it shouldn't be. Uh, and um, you know, it's it's uh, it's remarkable, really. But the biggest thing that stood out to me was I started thinking right away: NIL. What the heck is all? Right. And everybody talking about trying to pay all these players, right? You know these these guys. 
you know, I don't see anybody making millions of dollars at Marshall probably or those other schools. So. And you've and you've been involved, fun. You, you you've been involved in some big upsets as well at USF. You've gone to Florida State and won. You've won at Auburn. I mean, you've you've pulled some monster right. upsets when not, not I know not an upset in your mind, but an upset in the national media's mind and perception of mine. Yeah, what mine too? <laughs> I mean, you know, go, go to Auburn when that game was was remarkable. I and I didn't think about again, like you said, about winning and just you know play great football, you know. And uh, you're right, we. We beat West Virginia a few times here, fifth in the country twice. And Petrino came down with that ninth strength Louisville team and beat them 56 to 12. And, you know, you get, you get your guys, your guys get, you know, they, they come together and they play with confidence and they realize that they can beat anybody if you, if you play good football. Yeah. People don't Protect realize the football, the, certainly. Yeah. People don't realize the margin between the Notre Dames and the perceived other guys is not that big. There's not that big a gap when it comes to teamwork, when it comes to effort and com- chemistry. If you're, if you're, you've got those things. The margin between the Notre Dame's and the and, and the rest of the guys is not that big. Yeah, it's really hard. You know, your, your Alabamas might be. You know, right. once, you know, Ohio State. I mean, those guys are kind of almost in their own world right now. But um, and you know, but they, you know, their coaches do a good job. Not. You know, just, you know, sometimes those teams, they just feel like they're going to win and they don't prepare as hard during the week, maybe. And right. uh, that's part of human nature, you know. But, you no, know, we, you know, when I was at South Florida, we we honestly felt like we could beat anybody. We really did. It provided we put in the right work, had a good game plan, uh, had good quarterback play, protect football, like I said, and, and uh, kicking game was big. But, just get us into a position to win the ball game. And, and uh, you know, and we, we did a number of times. And, uh, you know, we didn't always have the better players. There, right. There's no question. I mean, we probably right. didn't have all the better players, you know, but but we were talented, though. You know, we Absolutely. recruited hard. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, let's go to Gainesville. Kentucky comes to town last Saturday night. A very impressive win by Mark Stoops. You know, everybody was all uh, super excited in Gainesville after they beat Utah. You know, Richardson played really well against Utah. Kentucky comes in very business business-like. They win a hard-fought defensive game 23-16. Richardson struggles at quarterback, doesn't play nearly as well as he did the week before through a couple interceptions. You know, for everybody who everybody raised Anthony Richardson to the to the mountaintop, he's only started two or three games in his career. You have to give the guy time to grow into the position, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, he's uh, – none of us want to say that, though. Uh, certainly, you know, it's, it's all about getting – but I was really impressed with Kentucky. And, you know, Mark Mark Stoops' his first college job was with me at South Florida. We didn't play – he was here uh, – he was part of putting those trailers together, uh, the, well, the old Ponderosa, whatever they called it. But um, <laughs> but Mark uh, Mark's done a phenomenal job, you know, and then Mike Stoops is with him, his brother. Uh, just Atlantic went up there to coach linebackers and I was just very very impressed with Kentucky uh just in every level you know there there were some things that they had a, they had some they were in some adverse situations in that game but they just yeah. stayed steady just kept playing the game one snap at a time they they were the better team I 
you know, uh, like I said, I thought Utah was a better team when they played Florida, but Florida got the win. Uh, but I was very Kentucky. I, I really was. They're, they're both welcome. Kentucky was just better. And I had a really good plan. I thought they, uh, I thought they did a really good job. I was impressed. No, they had some special. You know, teams. This was a pro- Go ahead. They had some special teams blunders. Kentucky, a couple bad snaps for a safety, another bad snap on a field goal. I mean, they overcame some stuff in that game that easily could have gotten them blown out in Gainesville. Well, that's what I'm saying. You know, when I used to tell a team all the time, you know, if you're uh, you're going to go through adversity in every game. It's going to happen. Just plan on it. It's who can handle the adversity and who can deal with it and get through it is um, is a big deal. And Kentucky did that, you know. And um, you know, but I never I never wanted players to get in a situation where when adversity comes, they're surprised, you know, and they're not, you know, oh my goodness, you know, you've got to have your leaders stand up. You, you still play one play at a time. You, you believe in the plan, you, you play with confidence, and you get through it, you know. And again, like I said, every game's going to have adverse situations. You just you got to you got to get through it. All right, I want to bring coaching coaching question. Florida's down seven with about eight minutes to go. They go for it on their own forty yard line. They've got timeouts. They're only down seven points. I was a little surprised Napier goes for it on his own forty with eight minutes to go. Then he goes for it again on his own 28 with four minutes to go with his timeouts. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, he's going he's gonna to look at that. And, and um, you know, those are tough situations, I guess. I, you know, uh, I don't know if I would have done the same thing. But, again, I don't want to question him. And right. Players and their, their game plan and all that, I – I, I think you could have a little bit more patience with the with the game. Yeah. Um, realize that you can do an awful lot with very little time, and um, you know, believe in your defense and <clears> that <throat> they'll get the ball back to you. And they were playing well. The defense was playing well. I know. I know they they were, but it's hard to, um, you know, it's hard to know. You know, you're not in that locker room. You're not there, and you got to make those decisions as a head coach. And it's a very lonely world. You got to. You got to make go with it, and you know, uh, but you also have to, you know, anymore with all the social media and the, and the press, you got to you got to explain why you did it. You're accountable to your team and to are them. Those, and, are those collaborative decisions that you're at all asking the input of your offensive coordinator at the time, or is that strictly your call as the head coach to go or not go? Usually my call. I didn't really. I mean, I I was always listening and talking to the staff. You know, as we got ready for those those situations, I saw them coming up. But you know, you just got to make it. Right. You know, a lot of times, a lot of times, there's crickets in those uh, headphones. <laughs> uh, what do you guys want to do? Nothing. Because <laughs> they don't want to make that decision. So a lot of times, you're gonna have to make it on your own. All right. So all right. So the Florida drops to one and one again. Lose our SEC opener. We're going to talk about Florida USF this week in uh, in just a few minutes. But again, a couple other notes around the state of Florida: FIU loses, FAU wins big, USF beats Howard convincingly. Um, did you talk to your Did you talk to your buddy Larry Scott at Howard this weekend? No, I text him. I just you know okay. text him. You know, good luck with the game. I knew I knew South Florida would win that game, but 
And I and I'm not really as surprised that it was 14-7 at halftime. Right. right. You know, because Larry's, you know, that's a big deal for him. Uh South Florida just got done playing BYU. Right. I mean, it sounds crazy. You would think their players would want to come out unglued, but it's Howard and human nature again. So that didn't surprise me, but South Florida did what they needed to do. They won the game. Right. And, uh, you know, moved on. You just want to move through that game and, you know, um, and just get, you know, get ready for the next one. Let's talk about the, let's talk about backup quarterbacks, Texas, Alabama. The, the Texas has played really well in that game. The quarterback gets hurt. The backup comes in, plays okay. He doesn't play bad. He plays well. Out Texas loses a heartbreaker at the gun there in, in Austin. Talk about the backup quarterbacks as far as how much time do you does a head coach give a backup quarterback reps in practice during the week percentage-wise? I know the NFL, the starter gets probably 95% of the reps. How do you guys handle that at the college level as far as giving reps to your backups? Well, you know, you, say you had sets of eight, um, and then, you know, with your offense, you're going sets of eight, eight, six. You know, you might – let the starter have the first eight, next four, and maybe depending on where you're at and how you feel, uh, you're probably going to give your backup maybe 30, 40% of those snaps. Okay. But again, it depends on where you're at. And, you know, you want to make everybody talks about the third quarterback. He, he probably gets no reps ever, you know, maybe, maybe if you keep him after practice a little bit and right. have a little bit of scrimmage with the young guys, you know, you'll get him in there. But, uh, you know, the backup's never going to get as many as a starter. He's just, you know, he's just got to be ready to go. But you better, you better have him ready. Most important position on the field. And uh, and I thought that was a, really quite a game. I didn't watch all the game with Texas and Alabama, but it, it showed me that Texas defense did a great job. They did. They had the quarterback sacked to the, really to probably win the game. And he got underneath the, you know, guy. You can't. We used to always tell those guys, when you're coming off the edge or you're coming through and on stun or blitz, you can't miss a layup. Right. Always he can't miss a layup. And he did. Right. And it cost him the game. Um, and the, but you got to give quarterback credit. He slipped the tackle and got the ball out. And that's got to be, for you, that's got to be the frustrating part. You call the perfect defensive call right. with, the, with the corner blitz. You have them dead to rights and the kid just can't get them to the ground. Right. And, and, you know, the quarterback did a really good job being elusive there. Um, always, but yeah, he just used to say you can't miss a layup. That's the deal. And, uh, um, but what a game. And there's some real controversy in that game. They're you officiating. Know? Yeah. And I hate to bang on the officials, but there were two or three pretty rough calls in that game that all went against Texas. All of them. And, uh, you know, I thought, <laughs> thought Texas was probably the better team. And I agree. In that particular game. Um, but you know, what's Alabama won? You know, however you do it, you get the win, and so that's survive in advance, coach. Survive in advance. That's right. That's exactly right. Woo. All right, listen to the Florida Football Insiders with head coach Jim Levitt, the coach in the kicker segment, presented by Beefo Brady's, Hank's Barbecue, and uh, Home Slice Pizza Company. Go to Beefo Brady's on the corner of Bush and Himes. And uh, go enjoy their uh, beautiful new remodeled restaurant over there. Go over there for Thursday nights, Saturdays, Sundays, whatever your needs are football-wise. They got a great setup there over there on Beefs, O'Brady's on Himes and Bush Boulevard. I know a guy you know, TJ Maloof, a guy you know, owns that restaurant. Special thanks to our partners at Print and Marketing Solutions 
and realtor Star Alvarado. If you are looking to sell your home or are looking to purchase a home anywhere in the Tampa Bay area, from Tampa to St. Pete to Wesley Chapel and everywhere in between, reach out to Star Alvarado, 813-538-9572. She will be a great advocate for you on both the selling side and the purchasing side of the real estate transaction. So Star Alvarado, 813-538-9572. Print and Marketing Solutions. Do you have a corporate event? Do you have golf tournaments? Are you involved in an election? Do you need signs, banners, road signs? Do you need marketing pieces? Do you need color copies, business cards, everything in between? Reach out to Todd Tedesco, 813-498-2887. Todd's located off of the the intersection of Lineball and Gun Highway over in Carrollwood. He is a full-service print and digital marketing supplier. Anything you need in the print and print needs, Todd can help you. So reach out to Todd Tedesco, 813-498-2887, Print and Marketing Solutions. Are you ready to profit this NFL and college football season? Do you need picks to profit with your sports gambling outlet? Reach out to Picks to Profit at 813-542-7559. One flat monthly fee of $100, no more, no less. You will receive six picks every week of the college football and NFL season. Point spreads, totals, prop plays, teasers, maybe even a parlay. You'll get all six picks emailed and texted straight to your mobile device on game day. Let us do the work while you profit. Picks to profit, 813-542-7559. And now a word from BetUS. Hey guys and girls, with the college football and NFL season now underway, you need a sportsbook with integrity and longevity that you can rely on like BetUS. BetUS has been pioneers in the sportsbook industry for over 25 years, thriving and paying their loyal customer base quickly and securely. Go to BetUS.com and take advantage of an offer we have for all of our podcasts. You'll receive 125% of a sign-up bonus by using our code COAST22. That's COAST22. Put $100 in, you get an extra $125. Put $200 in, you get an extra $250. So forth and so on. BetUS has all the NFL, MLB postseason, NBA, tennis, golf, Premier League, and college football wagers to bet on. But we all know... You are all college football and NFL fans, and we want you to be with us all season long on BetUS. Check them out at BetUS.com, and remember our 125% matching bonus for all initial signups with our code COAST22. BetUS, you bet, you win, and most importantly, you get paid. All right, welcome back to the Powers on Sports podcast. We are Three weeks away from the end of the regular season, the Major League Baseball season. We got some good couple of uh, playoff bursts still up for grabs, positioning, jockeying for position and such. And no better person to break it down with than Steve Carney. Steve covers the Rays down here in the Tampa Bay area market. He's also the host of the UTOR podcast, which covers the, the Rays as well. He, he works for MLB, and he's also the quarterback and general manager of our College Gridiron Coast to Coast podcast platform. He, he keeps all of us uh, in order and done, done a great job with the openings and all that such for all the different podcasts. So definitely check out the College Gridiron Coast to Coast podcast network. 
led by Mr. Carney. Welcome back, Mr. Carney. Hey, Jason. What's up, buddy? It's great to be back with you here. Appreciate you joining us. And uh, all right, let's get let's get right to it. Yes. It looks like we got three weeks to go. The only real divisional, well, there's two divisional races. There's a, the Braves and the Mets, and then you got Cleveland and the White Sox. What do you think is going to happen in those two divisional races? Because those winning those divisions is going to matter. Yeah, it really is. Uh, it's going to matter more for whoever wins the National League East as opposed to uh, the American League Central because the winner of the American League Central is still going to have to play in the wild card round with the with the three wild cards the winner of the national league east is not they're going to go right in to the uh, national league division series so i think that 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 race is more important than the al central so for me i look at uh, the the national league east may be the most fun race that we've seen this and it's more it's more fun for me because i i worked in the American League East now for 15 years and so yeah. I've had to watch the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Rays and the Blue Jays and uh what what's been fun with the with the Baltimore Orioles this year but uh you know watching the Mets and, and the Braves beat the hell out of each other is has been an absolute blast this year uh and watching you know Steve Cohen spend all the money that he has uh, this year on, on guys going out and getting Max Scherzer going out and, and making the moves that, that he has to, to put the Mets in that position. Uh, and then to watch the Braves yep. come back and, and make this a competitive race, I think has been an absolute blast. Um, and so that one has been really, really fun. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if the Mets can hold on to that one. Uh, you know, we've already seen, the Braves overtake them once. Now the Mets have come back and 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 gone back into first place. But those two teams are going to go right down to the wire. And I think that uh, I think either one of those teams has an opportunity to win uh, the division. And that should be that should be a lot of fun. As for the Nash, uh, American League Central, it's a it's a battle of attrition. Who really wants to win <laughs> right. that division? Because it seems like nobody wants to win that division. Minnesota was on top for a while. Now it's Cleveland. Here come the White Sox. Yep. You know, finally, uh, you know that's a, that was the the sexy pick this year by pundits. It was a, hey, don't forget about the Chicago White Sox. They've got a new. They've got Tony Larusa managing, and right. they've got uh, they've got Dylan Cease and Lucas Giolito, and they've right. got Jose Abreu, and they've they've got all these, and they've got all these pieces. Uh, you know that was the sexy pick before the season and i and i think that you know you've got uh you've got an opportunity here to maybe see them sneak in here because let's face it uh cleveland's not cleveland's not that good so uh if you can if you could see them getting into uh into this race i think you could is there an update on larusa's health i know there's back and forth whether he's going to rejoin the team or not what is the latest on larusa rejoining the, the roster to be a the manager he is back with the team. He had to have a pacemaker installed. Um, so that's that was the the procedure that he had to undergo. Right. Um, he did not manage over the weekend, but uh, I believe that uh, he is going to manage their next series. So, uh, so he is going to be back uh, in the dugout here. Uh, if not uh, here at the beginning of the week, I would think by the end of the week he'll be back. Again. And the thing with the Braves and the Mets. 
It's not a. It's not a. It's not a matter of attrition. Both teams are playing excellent baseball. No, they've been. They're fantastic. playing great. They're playing, and they play. I think they play either the second to last series of the year or the last series of the year. So it's going to go down to literally the last day of the season as far as who wins that division. And like you said, so much on the line as far as getting a bye, getting your pitching in order for the playoffs. Because if you're the Mets, you don't want to have to burn uh, DeGrom and Scherzer in that wild card round if you can avoid it because yeah. they're a little thin at the pitching, starting pitching especially. I, absolutely, you're right. Yeah, the, the Mets and Braves will battle – September 30th, October 1st, and October 2nd at Truist Park in Atlanta. So yeah. uh, that's that's going to be a very, very interesting series and probably the series of the end of the year. I think everybody's going to be watching those three games. No, it's going to be great. And both, and I think both those teams could go to the World Series. No matter who wins, who loses that division, both those teams could easily go to the World Series. Talk to me I think, about that. I think, I think, I think before, before we get yep. – now, since you mentioned the World Series, I think – you're right that if you look, there are probably there's probably five teams, five or six teams that you could say can have a have a have a legitimate shot of being the favorite uh world in, in the World Series. And four of them are in the National League. So yeah, gotta, right. Those those two, I think you you've gotta you've gotta put the uh the Dodgers in there uh as well. And, and I I really think that whoever wins the, the National League Central, uh, which looks like it's going to be St. Louis, but um, I, I think you can put St. Louis in there just because of everything that's gone on. But the only two teams in the American League that I think have a legit shot of winning the World Series are Houston and, unfortunately, the Yankees. Speaking of St. Louis, how cool is it that Pujols is on such a run here to maybe get to 700? Oh, yeah, that, that was the big question is could Albert get to 700? And most people thought that he wasn't going to get to 697, right. which is where he is now right. uh, after homering on Sunday to pass Alex Rodriguez for fourth all time. I certainly didn't think that he was going to get to, uh, you know, because he was at 685 yeah. uh, at the beginning of the year. And you're going, all right, he's got one more year. The Cardinals aren't going to play him against uh, against right handed hit uh, pitchers. You know, he's only going to play against lefties. You know, will they will he get enough at bats to do this? And he's just been killing the baseball right now. Yeah. Uh, he said, I think uh, I think they said he had his best month in the month of August since like 2005. So yeah. it's, wow. a, it's amazing to think that he has been playing this long and is still that effective. And he's been absolutely a wonderful addition to the Cardinals to get him back. What is the worst look? Let's look ahead to the divisional round. What's the worst divisional round matchup for the Dodgers and the Astros? Who do they not <laughs> want to see in that first round? Um, if I'm the Astros, I don't want to see the Seattle Mariners. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think that I think that's going to be tough for them because it's a divisional matchup. You know, they they'll have played each other 19 times uh, at that point, but the the Mariners are are a beast right now. Like I'm, I know that they've, they, they were on a stretch here in, in August where it seemed like they were never going to lose again. Uh, the, the pitching is fantastic, you know, with Robbie Ray and with Logan Gilbert uh, and Marco Gonzalez has been effective. I, I really think that they've got, they've got, and the, their young uh, center fielder, Julio Rodriguez, he might be the most fun player 
yeah. player to watch right now. Right. Uh, he is, he, I, I got a chance to meet him when uh, the Mariners came to Tropicana Field, and he was struggling at that point. Like, he had not uh, gotten into gear at the big league level. And there was talk that they may send him back down because he was having so many struggles at the plate. And he actually was going out uh, after a game. And so he got on the, he was, he was waiting for the elevator for us with us uh, to go up and he was going to get an Uber to go get some food or something, you know, get something to eat. And uh, like, I got a chance to stand there and talk with him for a couple of minutes. And it was, he's just an incredible. What's he 20 years old? Isn't he like 20 or 21? 20, 20. Yeah. He's, he's not younger than wander, but uh, I think he is 21. And, uh, you know, just a, just yeah. a wonder. Like he's it talked about how much he liked play because, uh, you know, he, uh, he's from, you know, the Florida area. So, uh, he, how much he loved playing at Tropicana field. And, and I went, I got, I got to jokingly said, uh, you know, there's probably going to be an opening in center field. Next year. <laughs> so, and he laughed. He, he had, and we both laughed. Right. We know that he's, this was before he signed his massive new, uh, contract, but, uh, I I just I I just was laughing with him. Just what a a bright, smiley. I mean, there's nothing better for uh, the sport of baseball than to see these young kids get these uh, get the get these opportunities yeah. and get these big contracts. He, he guys like him are is what is what's going to make sure that baseball does not uh, become a uh, irrelevant sport. All right, looking at the Dodgers, they've lost a bunch of pitchers. Kershaw, we're not sure about. Bueller's done. You know, do they have a closer? Do you trust Kimbrell? I don't think it. I don't think they trust Kimbrell. What do you think as far as the, is that, that going to be the Achilles heel for the Dodgers? Is the bullpen? Yeah, I, I think I think the I think the pitching. It, you know, they're only going to be able to go as far as they're pitching. Um, and if they and if they're able to to get the pitching that they had. In in 2020, I think I think they've they've got to be the front runners because they're I mean the lineup is just ridiculous. It is right, and they just it seems like okay, how can they get any tougher? And then they go out and they get worse. And it's like right. not it's not fair uh, <laughs> that Andrew Friedman's been able to spend all this money and get all of these right. uh, this these great talents. But like I said, it's only going to carry them as far as the pitching uh, will. So uh, if they can't prevent runs they're they're going to end up uh, being in trouble a and i think that there are plenty of teams that are going to be uh in the playoffs that uh, will give them give them a hard time now looking at the national league wild card right now you're you're looking at uh they would end up getting the winner or of the st louis and, and san diego series right you know, I, I, I think that they would much rather see the Padres yeah. for a 20th, 21st, et cetera time than see, than see the Cardinals. Um, so I, I think that could be that could be a very, very uh, tough matchup for them going up against Albert Pujols, you know, and, and Paul Goldschmidt, who Wayne could, Wright, Yachty or Molina, all that, all that. Well, mojo. Yeah, I, I, well, I, I think that the, the best hitter in baseball this year is is on St. Louis. It's Paul Goldschmidt. Right, uh, right. Know, he could win. He could win the Triple Crown in the National League. Everybody's talking about Aaron Judge in the American League and what right. he's doing, but Goldschmidt is doing the exact same thing in the National League. 
So remember, fans, wild card in the wild card round, all three games are at the at the higher seeds place. There's no two and one. All three games are going to be so the Rays are going to most likely be hosting a wild card series um, here in Tampa. Obviously, so do you see that as an advantage? I mean, obviously a oh, little bit of an advantage, but you you want you want to uh, in the American League you want to host. Uh, so you want to be the number one wild card. I don't think you want to be the number two wild card though. I think you would the way things are set up. The number two wild card has to play the number one wild card. The number three wild card plays the winner of the American League Central. Correct. So, Correct. Uh, yeah, I would much rather be the number three wild card and right. have to go on the road to Cleveland or to Chicago that, as opposed to being the number two wild card and have to play either in in Seattle or Toronto. Now, is is, is that format going to be that the home team is the home team all three games, meaning yes. they bat last every, t- every game? Yes. Yes, okay. it is. It is a three-game series, and that team is the home team for all three games. Okay. All right. All right. Last couple of things. I'll get you out of here. Pace of play initiatives, the pitch clock, the shift. Yep. What are your thoughts? You know, teams that are analytically driven, Rays, Dodgers, lots of teams, the shift, the pitch, you know, especially the shift, that plays into a lot of that analytics stuff. How do you think those measures are going to play out around the league? Well, uh, I've gotten a chance to watch them in the minor leagues this year. I've done a lot of Florida State League games with my work with MLB. And so I, I've seen the pitch clock uh, up, you know, up front and personal throughout the season. And, and I can tell you the pitch clock is a good thing. Um, I think that uh, it has been the biggest reason why um, the time on minor league games has gone from I think the average time in the minors last year when they didn't have the pitch clock was over three hours. It was like three hours and one minute or something like that. The average time of a minor league game this year is like two hours and 29 minutes. Wow. It's The pitch clock is a big, big reason for that. It does not allow these pitchers to do all this crap that they do <laughs> in between pitches. It, it makes sure that the hitters aren't doing the nonsense that they do. Uh, in between pitches, you know, there's not going to be no Mark Garcia para, you know, fixing his batting gloves. There's not going to be uh, David Price walking around the mound and then walking <laughs> back up the back slope. Like uh, you know, David Price, one of the slowest guys I've ever seen pitch. Yeah. Uh, you know, he takes his time. You know, those guys are going to be forced to speed up. And I think that's a good thing. It is. Um, a good thing. I'm, I'm kind of, su- I'm, I'm a little surprised. Uh, at the times, because in the minor leagues, it's 14 seconds with nobody on base, 18 seconds with runners on. I thought because of the the union, they would kind of gradually work it down to those numbers. I thought that they would start at 20 yep. and 25 and then work their way down over the course of, say, two or three seasons. They go to like 18 and 23. Right. And they go to 16 and uh and 20. 21 yeah. or 16 and 20 and then get to 14 and 18 starting at 15 and 20 like they're doing i i think they're going to stay at 15 and 20 and i don't think that's a bad thing i agree with you i agree with you at all we nobody wants now, to see we, we we didn't get to the shifts uh, and and i did that for, <laughs> for a reason i'm not a fan of them banning the shift i'm, okay. I'm not okay uh, i think that you know they do a lot of things in baseball to hamstring the defense, you know, they've got the three batter rule for, for relief pitchers. Right. And now they're selling, now they're telling you that you're not allowed 
to put your defenders where you want them. And I think that's a, that's a bad thing. I think, you know, it's going to encourage all this, all these, and, and I, and I get why they're doing it because singles hitters don't make, you know, Mike Trout numbers, you know, yeah. or David Ortiz numbers. They right. don't make those, those big contracts. The, the guys that are making the big contracts are the guys that are pulling the, I almost swore uh, out of the baseball. <laughs> <laughs> That pull that pull the hell out of the baseball, yeah. And and so you know, and Brandon Lau said this the other day. Uh, yeah, every left-handed pull hitter should be thanking the league for doing this because now. But I, I have a feeling that you're just going to see teams react in different ways. I I would not be surprised if you start seeing two-man outfields from the Tampa Bay Rays and the right fielder playing where the second baseman used to, you're, you might see a lot of nine, three put outs because of this. And, and again, and it really does affect the teams that are analytically driven that utilize that stuff to, to organizationally run their organization. You know, how they draft guys, who they draft, you know, all that kind and, of stuff is yeah, it, going to matter. It's going to, and it's going to matter uh, guys speed on defense. I, I think, you know, the Rays are going to be fine running the two man outfield because I, Personally, I think that Jose Siri and Manuel Margot could cover the entire outfield by themselves. <laughs> they are both that quick. Or, or Randy Rosarena, if you're going the if you're going the other way, right? Uh, you know, if you want to run uh, Siri and Rosarena, I think those guys could handle the the entire outfield on their own. So, uh, I I think that the Rays are going to be just fine, uh, and it's going to be up to other teams to have to adjust the same way. All right, one more thing. I'll get you out of here. What a wild week one in the National Football League. Obviously, oh, obviously, oh. obviously you're wearing, Steve's wearing his Tampa Bay shirt here after the Bucks throttle the uh, the Cowboys 19-3. to Dak done for eight weeks with a thumb. But just around the league, what a wild week one with the Bengals and the Steelers, Carolina-Cleveland. I mean, just some wild, wild finishes. Hey, shout out to first uh, ga- uh, coaches coaching their first game with teams, they went, uh, I believe, six, two, and one, and one. Yes. in their in, in in week one, and they've got one more going here uh, on Monday night. So, uh, of the ten uh, of the ten coaches coaching their first games, you know, six of them came out with wins, with a possibility of a seventh coming out with a with a win. You know, I thought that it was an incredible finish to the one o'clock window between. Yes. You know, between Cincinnati and, and uh, Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh, between Indianapolis and Houston. By the way, uh, what the hell are you doing punting on fourth and three, Lovey? From the fifty, are you kidding me, bro? Uh, that 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 was, uh, in the words of Lovey, very disappointing. <laughs> uh, he, I, I thought the funniest thing that I saw yesterday, uh, after, uh, after, <laughs> after the uh, the four o'clock games ended. Uh, ESPN tweeted out something that was like that the NF the AFC South went winless in week one and two of the teams played each other. <laughs> right. like, how does that happen? No, but I, I really, I mean, I, I think there were a lot of surprises. Uh, there were, there was a lot of, I think, I think the biggest surprise was what the hell happened to the green Bay Packers? Yes. Uh, you know, I, yes. I, I, I don't know if that's so much, uh, you know, the Packers as opposed to Kevin O'Connell right. and, and, and the Vikings looking like an entirely different team. And uh, thank you, Justin Jefferson, 
you, you can tell I had him in DraftKings. Uh, <laughs> but I, 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 I thought that, you know, that was that was a big surprise. Jameis with the comeback in Atlanta. I oh mean, that, they were getting killed by the Falcons. Yeah, they scored the final 17 points. They were down 17 in that game or 16 in 16, that game. Right. And, and scored the final 17 points in the fourth quarter to, to beat Atlanta. Uh, and, and how about welcome back Will Lutz for the for the right. Saints? Remember they right. missed him last year. Uh, he missed all of last season with an injury. So yep. uh, they did not have their their Pro Bowl kicker. And that proved to be the big piece for them. They yeah. with the with the game winning field goal as time expired. Uh, just just an incredible week one. And and you mentioned uh, the throttling. It wasn't so much a throttling uh, of the Dallas Cowboys by the Buccaneers. It that that's the fact that Dallas just really isn't very good right, right now. And right. Uh, I think and now that they're going to have to go to Cooper Rush as opposed to Dak uh, because of the and and let's face it. Dak Prescott's hand is broken. You saw him come to the sidelines, and I saw him mouth to the coaches, I broke it. <laughs> so it's right. bro- it's a broken hand oh, yeah. that he's or a, a bone in his in his hand that he broke that he's gonna have to have surgically repaired. Yeah, he's gonna miss at I, least two I, months. At least two months. I, I thought I thought initially well, the way that it got hit, that he tore the UCL uh ligament. Right. If he had torn that, that's that's a five or six month. I thought I was thinking like that's going to be like week twelve before he's back. But yep. if if he only misses six or eight games, I I think that's that's good for that's good for Dak. Um, they're still in up, trouble. They're still oh, in trouble. Big Mike, trouble. Mike, do not be surprised if Mike McCarthy isn't the first coach fired in the NFL yes. because they yes they are in big trouble. They have very few weapons on offense. Mike Parsons looks fantastic. Yeah, but uh, you know, one guy on defense will not bring you a whole lot of victories. No, you're right. I mean, like I said, the only the only way Dallas was going to win that game yesterday is if Micah Parsons ruined the game, which he's had two sacks, but he didn't ruin the game. Yeah, you know? exactly. So, um, all right, Steve, great work, man. Appreciate the time. Keep up the great work with the Gridiron Pot Coast to Coast podcast, GMing and quarterback into that operation with us knuckleheads hosting these things. So appreciate all the hard work you're doing there. Yeah, absolutely. Make sure you follow Gridiron Coast on Twitter. Uh, as, as everything that drops uh, comes out uh, through there. And, and of course, the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. Jason is part of it. Uh, we've got podcasts uh, from around the country that go out uh, every single day. So you can get your fill of college football. On all the right, tell me what you're business. doing. You, you, I know you, you're still doing the UTOR podcast covering the Rays. All the, yep. Promote yourself. Oh, God, yeah. Under the Orange Roof uh, on stpete9.com. Uh, you can check out Yards and Stripes, where we yes. talk service academy football. Yes. That drops on Tuesdays, so we'll have it. We'll have a new episode coming out on Tuesday for Week Two. Uh, Air Force rolling, Air Force rolling, Colorado. Well, I, yeah, the first time that Colorado has come to Air Force since 1974, and they got rolled up. Uh, we're also going to talk about a crazy weekend. Uh, at Mikey Stadium, where Army became a Mountain West team, throwing <laughs> the football, and uh, is, is Ken Niamatololo's time in Navy about to come to an end because they got rolled in, uh, at home for a second straight week this time to Memphis. So uh, Navy is in trouble. Army is crazy, and Air Force. If Air Force isn't a top twenty-five team, if they keep doing what they're doing here in a couple of weeks, I'll be very, very shocked. So yeah, definitely check out Yards and Stripes and. 
we uh, may end. I may end up having some uh, some stuff with the Bucks coming up here pretty soon as well. All right, one more thing, Scott Frost. I know he's got some Florida ties. Your thoughts he on gone. Frost? Get, he gone. He gone. Nice fifteen million dollar uh, balloon package out the door. Thank you very much. Right, and just think about that. Nebraska cost themselves an extra seven and a half million dollars by not waiting till until October first. Right. That buyout went down to seven and a half million dollars. Uh, October one, but they were like, no, get out now. Right. We want, we want you out. There are people that are saying that Scott Frost may end up being the next head coach at USF. I certainly hope that does not happen. Uh, because <laughs> I, the last thing I need is more UCF people going, see, you want to be us. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> so, stop. Uh, you know, I don't know if Jeff Scott, I don't know how much longer Jeff Scott has. Um, if they didn't be, if they didn't throttle Howard, um, and right, right. I, I, I was thinking he might end up being, uh, on the same, uh, playing out as Scott Frost, but, uh, you know, Jeff Scott's four and, uh, four 19 now, and his four wins are against Temple, the Citadel, Howard and Florida A&M. He's got to start winning games and they go to Gaines and they go to Gainesville Saturday to play the Gators who just lost. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we saw what happened to USF and I know we're getting into Florida football insiders here. It's all uh, right. Very quick. Knock it out. Let's go. Uh, yeah. The USF, uh, got throttled by BYU and those nice Mormon boys took their foot off the gas after the first quarter. Yes. Gators are going to have no such qualms of sticking their foot right on their throats. And no so doubt. I I'm scared that that game could be 70 <laughs> by <laughs> halftime. <laughs> All right, Steve, appreciate the time, man. Keep up the great work and we will talk soon. All right. Thanks, Jason. All right. We'll be right back on the powers on sports podcast. College football and NFL football fans, we know that the season is cranked back up. Are you looking for the best seats at the most competitive prices? Take advantage of Ticket Smarter and their mobile app. Ticket Smarter is partnered with more than 100 universities and 24 conferences as their official ticket resale marketplace. They have also partnered with ESPN Events as an official ticket resale partner. And with the best selection of NCAA and NFL football tickets, Ticket Smarter makes sure fans from all over the country experience the power and excitement of the football season live and in person. Purchase your your tickets directly, securely, and at the best prices on the secondary market with the Ticket Smarter mobile app or at TicketSmarter.com. We've got an additional offer for those listening to all of our podcasts. Take 5% off your purchase of $100 or more with our promo code GRIDIRON22. That's GRIDIRON22 for 5% off of your order of $100 or more, and that code isn't just a one-time use. Use it this week. Use it next week. Use it Thanksgiving week. Use our code as many times as you want this football season for the best selection of college football and NFL seats to the biggest games. Check out the selections, pricing now with Ticket Smarter, and remember our code GRIDIRON22. Think smarter. Ticket smarter. Thanks again for listening to the Powers on Sports podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on whatever podcast platform you are hearing us tonight. Remember, you can reach out to us on Twitter at JPO Sports. So we'd love to hear your feedback, comments, suggestions for future episodes. And again, thanks for all the support. Remember to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. And we'd love to see you back next time for the next episode 
of the Powers on Sports podcast. Have a great week.